sharp, pointed, and insightful. This is Stacy on the Right on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk. He comes from a generation of people that treat people like people, and it's just, it's just wonderful. And we canceled our flight home so we could stay here. He created a whole new uh, acceptability for wild and outlandish socks. <laughs> uh, I gave him a few pairs, he gave me a few pairs, and uh, I've got them locked away. He always knew that America was stronger with alliances, and the rest of the world looked to that American leadership in all of those realms, as I mentioned, militarily, economically, but also morally. And uh, I think it would be all of us as we reflect on his legacy to remember that those lessons are still important for all of us to keep in mind. We have no more solemn duty than laying a great patriot to rest. Here lies a great man. And now, Stacy Washington. Welcome to the program. Thank you for being here today. And we have a jam-packed show for you. We are going to be speaking with a couple of guests. We're going to first start off with um, Scott Whitlock from Newsbusters. And we're going to be chatting with him about um, the Morning Joe hosts having such a big problem with conservatives calling out media hypocrisy on the death of George H.W. Bush. We are also going to be getting into our greatest journey promotion day. That's the title of the show today. That is our main purpose for today, which is to share um, information about the greatest journey and to get you to partner with us so that we can make this thing happen uh, for so many children around the world, tens of thousands of kids who are really without the gospel and they're getting the gospel and learning more about Jesus Christ and coming to know him through the work of The Greatest Journey, which is one of our uh, one of the, the ministries of our partner, Samaritan's Purse. So we're going to get into that, and we're also going to talk about Lauren Daigle, who has really taken the music world by storm. It's such a beautiful success story to see her using her voice to uplift the name of Jesus Christ, but it is not a surprise to see her as she goes mainstream start to pull away from traditional conservative Christian issues. Um, social issues, because it makes one unpopular. The gospel is not, um, it, obviously we unite under the gospel as Christians, but it's a divider. It divides the truth from the lies, and people who don't believe in the truth can't tolerate hearing the truth, which is the gospel. So we're going to get into what she said, and um, I, I, I know a lot of people are characterizing it as being disappointing. I, I actually saw this coming. I thought to myself, she went on Ellen? It's only a matter of time before someone asks her about the same-sex marriage issue. And sure enough, she went onto a radio show and did a promo for the guy um, that is airing on the station. And he asked her the question and she flaked. So she's young. We can, we can hope and pray for the best. But that didn't turn out the way we'd hoped that it would. Um, so right now I want to get into our greatest journey information and we're starting off with a little bit of an explanation about what it is and who can tell you better than someone from the greatest journey. Uh, this is number five. Greatest journey discipleship program is a wonderful way for children to know who Jesus is, to grow in that faith, but then to go and share it with others. This is a tool that will allow children to become evangelists and to multiply followers of Christ around the world. After the children receive their shoebox gift, 
they are invited to participate in a 12-lesson discipleship course called The Greatest Journey. During The Greatest Journey, the children will learn Bible stories, play fun activities, and learn memory verses that help them get to know who Jesus is and then become equipped to share that faith with others. And that's what we're asking you to join in with us on. Now, here's a few stats, things that I think are are so, so impactful. First of all, we have this huge match. Um, It's a $30,000 match. Every gift that's offered today is matched up to $30,000 so we can hit our target of $60,000 with your help. The Greatest Journey is a ministry of Samaritan's Purse. It's part two to the shoeboxes that you probably packed and dropped off at church or one of the 5,000 locations. This is part two. This is where the children who have been given the gifts and often their entire families then go on to learn about Jesus Christ through this 12-lesson course. So they are invited back. They go to the 12-lesson course and they take The Greatest Journey. It's a class a scripture-based curriculum offered through local churches to children who get the shoeboxes. So the shoeboxes draw them in, and the 12-lesson course gives them Bible stories, scripture memorization, where they learn how to follow Christ in their daily lives as they share him with friends and family. So this is an evangelism tool. And that's what we do here at American Family Radio. We're not ashamed of it. We don't shy away from it. it. It's our purpose. It's our mission to bring Christian truth and biblical worldview to every community that this radio station reaches into, but more than that, to disciple others into the kingdom. There's a lot of lost, hurting people out there, and the way to draw them in, obviously, is there are so many different methods, but the Christmas Shoebox Program is one of those beautiful offerings that exemplifies the work that Jesus Christ did for us on the cross, in that we give a gift, and through that gift, we connect with people who are then brought in to learn more about becoming Christians. So The Greatest Journey teaches everyone who takes the course who Jesus Christ is, what it means to follow him, how to share this exciting message with others in their community. And literally thousands of children have received Christ and new churches have been planted as a result of this program. We have this discipleship effort going on in 90 countries, equipping the local church to help children learn about Christ's love and to become faithful followers of Jesus Christ. This is what we do. And we're so excited about it. And the the shoebox collection, it's fun because, you know, you get your kids involved in that. You get the whole family involved in choosing what goes in the shoebox and putting a picture in and, you know, packing the shoebox and then dropping it off. Or maybe you're one of those people who you give a donation and you let some other families that work at your church actually do the choosing and the picking and the packing. And no matter how you're participating in that, fantastic. God blesses that kind of effort, that work. But this is part two. So today is December 5th. It also happens to be my dad's birthday. And so happy birthday, dad. Um, We are doing this fantastic partnership and we want you to partner with us. Please join us in partnering with us on on The Greatest Journey. Um, Every gift is matched up to $30,000. And so what I'm doing right now is what I often do when we talk about these things, I go straight to the site, afa.net. And I'm on here and I see um, a, a lot of different cool things that we have going on, the Christmas wristbands, the God Who Speaks DVD, and many other things um, that you can use and take part in. 
And then obviously we have our make a donation and action alert sign up. And so all of these things are on our AFA.net website. Um, and we're doing the greatest journey promotion. Our goal is today. We want you to partner with us. Um, go to AFA, I'm sorry, AFR.net and check out what we have going on there. And um, it, it's just, it's, it's fantastic. You can also go to SamaritansPurse.org, SamaritansPurse.org, and they have the Operation Christmas Child banner. They still have all of that up there, but they also have the monthly gift and single gift where you can partner up with the Greatest Journey Discipleship Program. So it's SamaritansPurse.org, SamaritansPurse.org. Go there and partner with us, and we want to do our part to get that $30,000 match so we can hit our goal of $60,000 for the day. So head over to SamaritansPurse.org. Now, we're going to get into a little bit of what's going on on the show. Um, I, I have to, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention all of the furor surrounding um, President George Bush's, H.W. Uh, Bush, President George H.W. Bush, his passing. And uh, there's a lot of, there's a lot of animus going on. Um, the, the Bible says, blessed are those who mourn for they shall be comforted, Matthew 5, 4. And I know we have a varying group of perspectives that have to do with the, the former president and his passing and, and, and the life that he led. I particularly have highlighted the strong marriage and, and the strong family structure that he had and that he promoted and worked on and diligently cultivated throughout the course of his life. We, of course, had someone calling yesterday pretty upset about the fact that he's a globalist and, and his family, you know, are, are participants in that ideology and that we shouldn't be glorifying that. And I don't want anyone to have any misconceptions. I don't glorify the globalism. I, I'm not a globalist. I don't think that's the way we should go. Uh, I, I'm an American nationalist if it comes to, you know, if you're going to pick globalist, nationalist, one of those that, you know, I fall in that category. And I find my identity in Christ, but I'm talking about political leanings. But there's a time to discuss the globalism, and there's also a time to mourn with those who mourn. And uh, the Bush family, they're they're hurting because they've lost, you know, someone that I'm, I'm sure they, they weren't surprised because he, you know, been ailing a little bit in these last couple of months. But it doesn't change the fact that he's gone now, and they have to work through you know, absent with the body, present with the Lord, but that he is no longer with them. And so I want, I, I, don't, I, I want us to, in the Christian fashion of coming alongside brothers and sisters who are hurting, to put aside the differences that we had with things that President H.W. Bush might have believed or promoted or was a proponent of that we didn't agree with, and just say that he served his country with honor if you just look at his time before he was the president, he was a very diligent public servant and he worked hard to promote the causes of peace and liberty for this country. And uh, I want to give you a quote from President George W. Bush, his son, at the eulogy. He said he was born with just two settings, full throttle and sleep. <laughs> so uh, AFA, American Family Association, American Family Radio, Urban Family Talk, and Stacy on the Right Show, I'll encourage every AFA supporter to continue to remember the Bush family in the days and weeks ahead through prayer um, and consider your own eternity. Uh, draw closer to Jesus. Um, if you don't know him, it's a quick prayer um, and then you're, you're on the other side. So please, uh, please consider those things and, and know that we're, we're praying for the Bush family and we're 
we're seriously hoping that um, they're they're able to weather this very difficult time. Uh, I also thought it was interesting that um, they they keep showing images of Donald Trump and Melania Trump, and then former President Obama and Michelle Obama, and then Bill Clinton and Hillary Clinton. And they're all seated in the same pew at the National Cathedral. And this is during the funeral today, the memorial service, I should say. And they, you know, so obviously President Obama's got his chin up. You know, he's, he's assumed an air of, it looks like an air of superiority, but he might just be really uncomfortable. He, he might just be sitting there looking like that because he's uncomfortable um, because he's in really close proximity to a man that he has viciously criticized. And President Trump looks pretty stern. Um, Melania is full supermodel. I think she only has one setting. It's, you know, gorgeous uh, times a thousand percent. Michelle Obama, actually, dark suit, dark pinstripe suit. She looks nice. Her hair is done really well. And then the Clintons are classic Clinton. They're sitting close together, and they keep leaning their heads in and talking to each other, you know, in, in hushed tones and examining their program, which is their, that is the way they sit and behave when they're in public together. Whether they're on a plane, train, automobile, they always assume that posture. But I think it's funny that people are trying to draw inferences to what the the way they look means it's a funeral it's uncomfortable have i mean if you've ever been to a funeral you know that you when you get there there's a sense of loss that's palpable and for the people who are there who are truly mourning the loss of the person the family members that feeling especially if you're kind of an, an empathetic type of a person where other people's feelings really affect you it can be overpowering. Funerals are very draining experiences. And then if you're a public figure, you have to sit there upright and put on your best public face because the cameras are on you constantly. I'm saying all of this to just advise that we don't read too much into their posture during the funeral. They're sitting with people they hate. They're at a funeral overcome by emotion from the participants and they're in the public eye. We can turn off the politics for at least the time that the memorial service has been going on. <laughs> All right. When we get back, we have Scott Whitlock, associate editor for Newsbusters. Stay right there. Walker Wildman for Redeem Clean Laundry Products. Not only do you get a great product and you get to obviously clean your clothes, get the stains out and use the multi-surface cleaner to clean your countertops and use the dryer sheets. You're doing all of this and the money's going to support the work of American Family Association. Redeem Clean Laundry Products were developed by AFA supporters Lynn Ingram and Jim Duncan to assist in funding the mission of the American Family Association. Redeem Clean products work as well as or better than other products on the market. They're environmentally safe, biodegradable, and they're made right here in the United States. The great thing about Redeem Clean is not only is the product great, but it goes to support a great cause, and that is the work of American Family Association. For clean laundry and a cleaner society, it's Redeem Clean. Visit redeemclean.afastore.net.
Hi, I'm Crawford Loritz with a legacy moment. My dad loved to tell our children about the olden days. They would sit in rapt attention and listen to their pop-pop talk about the challenges he faced growing up, uh, how he survived, and what he had to do to make it. He always ended his stories the same way. You kids are going to have it a lot better than I did. You have more opportunities. You're going to accomplish a lot more than I did, and I'm so proud of you. Those conversations always reminded me of what Jesus told his disciples just before he was crucified. Listen to his words in John chapter 14, verses 12 and 13, and then verse 16. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do, and greater works than these will he do, because I am going to the Father. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever." Sometimes we quote the verse, greater works, without putting it in its context. Jesus says the reason why you're going to do greater works is because you have two incredible resources. Prayer, whatever you ask in my name, the Father is going to do it for you. And number two is the Holy Spirit. In other words, Jesus says, I'm going to send the helper when I get back to heaven. He's going to come and empower you to do greater things. Well, here's what I want you to remember today. Yes, we're faced with challenges. There are great needs, but God has given us the Holy Spirit and prayer. Let's allow the Spirit of God to empower us to get the job done. Let's do the greater works. More information about the ministry of Crawford Loritz can be found online at livingalegacy.org. Join Crawford tomorrow for another Legacy Moment. You can download episodes of Stacy of the Right from the podcast page on AFR.net or UrbanFamilyTalk.com. Now, back to the show on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk. Welcome back to the program. Uh, you can find it more at AFR.net, UrbanFamilyTalk.com, StacyOnTheRight.com, and at StacyOnTheRight on Twitter and Instagram. Let's go to our first guest of the show today, Scott Whitlock, Associate Editor of Newsbusters. Scott, thank you for joining us. Hey, thanks for having me on. Hey, I want to talk about, I, I watched the video clip of uh, Morning Joe host Joe Scarborough, where he appeared to be pretty chagrined over conservatives saying, hey, you love George Bush now, but you hated him when he was alive. And he seemed to say that it was okay to hate people, but as long as you then afterwards or in your own private time reached out to them and said, hey, if you ever need anything, you know, I'm here for you, which is a bit of a dichotomy because you're like, wow, so you hate the person, you tear down their character and their family and everything that they stand for. But as long as you send them a nice note every once in a while or at least once, then that makes it okay. Yeah, it was a really weird moment uh, for Joe Scarborough because we, what we've been doing ever since uh, George H.W. Bush uh, died is pointing out that all, all this media praise that they're heaping upon him now, uh, they didn't do when he was alive or when he was president or any kind of political threat. Uh, we repeatedly saw, and um, we put up a, a kind of roundup of um, the, the coverage from when he was president. They portrayed him as a racist, uncaring, someone who uh, had no concern for the poor, said really nasty, horrible uh, things to uh, about him, and Joe Scarborough uh, essentially admitted that he said it's true that the media hated him, uh, but he made this 
this weird comparison to the relationship between Ronald Reagan and Tip O'Neill, where they were friendly personally and they would sort of put politics aside at a certain point and they could still be friends. But the problem with that is when did the media ever put their hatred and their dislike for George Bush Sr. aside? They didn't. And, and that is sort of the problem with any Republican uh, president, is that when they are in office, when they are a political threat, the media will tell Americans that they're horrible, that they're racist, that they're hateful. And then after they're gone, there's always this inevitable uh, look back, you know, where they long for the days of, of that person. It happened with Reagan, because <laughs> you know, they hated him at the time, and now they look back and say, oh, you know, he was so civil. And, and George H.W. Bush, uh, there's even some uh, sympathy now for George W. Bush. But when they're in office, they hate them. So, Scott, can we just go ahead and agree that the reason why they don't like the people when they're in office is because they're not getting what they want, and then they long for that person afterwards because the newly radicalized Republicans, like, let's just go ahead and call it out, uh, you know, Donald Trump. He's the most radical version of a Republican we've ever had. And they hate him because he will not bow down to them. Ronald Reagan wouldn't either, except on immigration once. But, I mean, they, they really, they've, they've, they've never liked any of them. Never. That, that's true. And some of the things, um, George H.W. Bush was more moderate than, say, Ronald Reagan. But some of the things that even that, um, at, at the time, they didn't really give him a lot of credit. When George Bush Sr. Uh, had the tax increase, breaking his no new uh, taxes pledge, journalists eagerly used that as a way to demoralize the conservative right. And then to when it didn't really work, uh, to blame George Bush Sr. for the recession and said that he didn't care and he didn't care about the uh, the needs of regular Americans. So they, they're not going to give Republicans credit for anything and uh, when when they're in office. And I think to some extent that's what created the the rise of uh, Donald Trump. I, I think ironically, a lot of it is the. Um, the blame for that can go to the liberal media because they have trained conservative voters um, and, and Republican voters, you know, that they are going to trash Republican presidents no matter what. And there's a certain amount of um, Republicans and conservatives who that's why they liked uh, Donald Trump because you know whether you like him or not, whether you agree with the way he uh, comports himself, a lot of that is a reaction from uh, presidents George like George Bush Senior, where George Bush Senior was a incredibly civil and decent and kind man. And what did he get in return for that from uh, the liberal media? He got scorn. So I think a, a number of Americans just said, well, you know, you're going to hate whoever the Republican president is. So they, they went with someone who they thought was going to give it right back to the liberals and the liberals in the media. Yeah, I, I, uh, I don't think we can stress it enough that what we see with Donald Trump is a product of the media because when he was in New York, just, you know, being a, a real estate mogul and business person, he often commented in the public, sometimes on huge shows like 60 Minutes. I mean, he's been interviewed on so many really influential television shows and in magazines. And he's always said the same thing, that Republicans tend to get pushed around that the media tends to side with the Democrats or one side. He wouldn't say the Democrats, he'd say one side. And that a lot of the decisions that were being made on behalf of our country from both parties were really stupid. And he, I mean, stupid is just one of the, the ways he described what he called idiocy, bad deals, et cetera, et cetera. And so, you know, Scott, 
I, I can't see a person being like, so being a part of the media and you not noticing that had they just been even slightly fair, well, I'm not talking about middle of the road or true journalism where you have no idea what their, their political viewpoint is. They're just neutral reporters. Forget about all that. Let's just say they covered the presidency and the political spectrum from a perspective where they at least allowed the opposing view. That, I mean, that's just bare minimum, like, you know, just, you right. know, you know, no, no standards at all. Just something akin to what would be slightly fair. Donald Trump probably would not be the president of the United States had they done that because people wouldn't feel the need. I mean, half the country to say, you know what, we need a we need a wrecking ball. We need someone to come in and tear this whole thing down because we're not getting anywhere and or we're getting places that are bad. Do you think what what do you think it would take for the media to at least just notice that since they're so one sided, they're leaving half of us out of this thing? Well, yeah, I, I, I don't see that happening. I, I mean, I, I think um, I, I don't see journalists realizing that um, as much as they hate Trump. I, I think you're absolutely right that they are, have a large amount of the blame to, you know, depending on your perspective, blame credit um, uh, for the rise of, uh, of Donald Trump. As you said, um, just the way that they, they treat uh, Republican presidents. Um, you know, the fact that they never give them any credit, that you, the fact that you have someone um, like George H.W. Bush, who was so kind and decent, and what did, you know, as, as I said earlier, what did he get from it? I think a great example of that was uh, Maureen Dowd, who was this very hard-left journalist. And after Bush died, she really talked about uh, the friendship that she uh, eventually struck up uh, with him when she went through cancer. And despite all the negative things that she'd written about um Bush, he, he wrote her this nice letter saying, essentially, I'll be there for you, and if you need anything, uh, let me know, you know, because I, I know uh, uh, what cancer is like. They had a, uh, George Bush Sr. lost a daughter to cancer. And so all the nice things they're saying now, that's all well and good, but as you said, how about some uh, objectivity? How about some fairness? How about not assuming that George Bush Sr. was a racist or sympathetic to racism or didn't care about poor people, which is the things that they that they did. And, and kind of to get back to exactly what uh, Joe Scarborough dismissed, that's the problem, is that they never put it aside. They may have, uh, on a personal level, said, hey, that boy, Bush is actually very nice, and he treated me very nicely, but that didn't mm-hmm. stop them from their primary goal, which was to destroy George Bush. Well, you know what, Scott? I'd be fine with them being openly partisan if they could at least acknowledge some of the good about people as well, because George Bush was not some, uh, you know, robotic automaton or, or he wasn't a despot. He wasn't a, a uh, horribly aggressive person. Even his demeanor was, I mean, it's, it's like cupcakes compared to Donald Trump. And, and that's not a criticism from me towards Donald right. Trump. It's just a statement of fact. George Bush was a very mild mannered man. They've characterized him everything from patrician, which used to just be a descriptor, but is now an insult because it's the whole income inequality garbage. But they've also held off of really describing the thing that most Americans find so endearing about the Bush family. It's not really their politics. It's that, number one, he spent his entire adult life serving this country. You don't have to like the way he served the country, but you have to admit he held almost every role of importance that he possibly could in one lifetime. And that his personal life was above reproach. I'm talking about right. the marriage and the kids and all that. 
Why can't liberals just admit, because they say, well, we've had Barack Obama now, so we've set a new standard. We've left the Clinton years. Well, we never really had the Clinton years on the right. We've had people like George Bush and his father, who these are family men, good husbands. Um, They made fun of of, uh, George W. Bush, the son, because he used drugs and, and had an alcohol problem which is a problem for millions of Americans who commiserated with him because he kicked it. He beat those those addictions. They just don't have any room for any kind of positive, just anything, like even a, just a crumb of kindness at all. I just can't find it anywhere. Right. You know, you're absolutely right about that. And I think one of the best examples of that was the so-called wimp factor, where Newsweek uh, on their cover in 1988 had a front cover with, with that line that, uh, the wimp factor, describing George Bush Sr. as a wimp. And that that has aged so horribly, because the more we talk about his service in World War II, being an 18-year-old uh, joining the fight, uh, not even finishing college, being what, the youngest Navy fighter pilot getting shot down, in no way was this man a wimp. Humble, yes, because he didn't really talk about that stuff. But to call uh, him a wimp is, is just outrageous. And in fact, Evan Thomas, who was the editor of Newsweek at the time, has, at the very least, he admitted that that was a, a terrible mistake that they made, and they were very wrong about that. But um, at the time, again, it was just about destroying um, George Bush Sr., and it, it didn't matter if calling him a wimp was ludicrous. Uh, you know, they were going to do it anyway because they wanted Dukakis in 88, and they were all for Bill Clinton in 1992. Yeah, I mean, it's been pretty it's been pretty uh, solid. And I think one of the things, Scott, that we maybe encounter, obviously, you don't realize it until you're in the moment. But I personally just recently have come to realize how one sided it's been media wise. I tend to think of the current situation with the media, all of them being Democrats, all of them being on the same side as the, the Democrats has been something that's kind of a recent development, like in the last 10, 15 years. Really, it's been this way for much longer than that, because George H.W. Bush was not president, you know, in the 2000s. This is we're talking about many, many years ago when he was in public office and and finally became the president of the United States. And he was experiencing the same kind of hardcore leftist media coverage that we see Donald Trump experiencing. Yeah, no, that, that that's that's also a great point. And I think that just shows part of their their rage towards uh, conservatives. Uh, I think is is developed from the fact that they don't that they it's not a one sided narrative anymore that you have uh, you have talk radio you have shows like yours you have the internet uh, Drudge Report Fox News you have all these outlets where conservatives can make their voice be heard and back then back in the let's say sixties seventies eighties you didn't have those alternative outlets so I think part of the frustration with the liberal media where they become even more extreme is a frustration that they don't just control the narrative anymore. They can't control it like they did back in the old days when it was just ABC, CBS, and NBC. And I think, uh, not to change the subject, but I think that is part of the reason where we've seen all these uh, examples on Facebook, Twitter, social media online, where they're essentially trying to reassert control that they used to have, that they don't anymore. They want to control all these forms of new media on, on the Internet. So they can go back to saying, oh, you know, the conservative voices, that's not acceptable in, in mainstream conversation. They, they want to shut conservatives out in the new media like they did with the old media. So 
I got to point out, and I know you remember this because this is what you guys do. You listen to every word they say and you catalog it and you track it and you create charts and graphs, which I love. Um, you remember when Mika Brzezinski said on air, um, she, I don't know if she's talking about Breitbart or who, but she said they're trying to, to tell these people what to think. They can't do that. That's our job. <laughs> she, she said that on air. And then Joe Scarborough kind of looked. You know how he'll sometimes she'll say something and he'll just blink? A couple times, and right. then we'll go on to the next subject. <laughs> and no one really took note of it except Washington Free Beacon, and I think you guys. You guys had that clip. And I remember watching it. I played it on the show. I hammered it. I just want people to understand she was not an anomaly in that moment. It was as if she had gotten the bullhorn and said, hey, America, this is what we media journalists and you know all of us talking heads, this is what we think and know to be the truth, that we tell you what to think, not some you know upstart news organization or, or conservative think tank or yourself, we decide what you think. That is true. She admitted it. And I just wish that was like a part of a, an ad campaign by conservatives, Republicans, whatever you call yourself, to educate Americans because not enough people realize she, she admitted that. Right. Yeah. And that's, that's, that's a great example to bring up. And I think it sounds funny when you say it, but a lot of them, uh, the people like her and MSNBC and other uh, shows and journalists, that's what they actually think, that it, that it is their job. And that's the problem they have with new media and alternative forms of media is they want to be the, um, the person or people to tell you uh, what to think, as, as disturbing as that is. <laughs> right. Whether you want to think it or not is irrelevant. We have things we want you to think. So get to thinking it. <laughs> I'm just, right. I have to laugh about it because we so rarely get them, you know, really big people like Mika Brzezinski, as sad as it is to say, she's, she's really big. She's very influential. And she admitted it. And, and that should be like T-shirts, slogans, mugs, banners on the side of the highway, billboards, TV ads, YouTube ads, it should be a part of what we use to hammer home the, home the point that we don't actually want to tell anybody what to think. We want to spur thought and conversation. And I'm so glad that you guys are doing that over at Newsbusters and Media Research Center, MRCTV.org, Newsbusters.com, I believe. Scott Whitlock, yep. thank you for Scott, joining the show. Newsbusters.org, yes. Newsbusters.org as well. MRCTV.org, Newsbusters.org. Scott, thanks for joining the show today. Thanks for having me on. All right. Talk to you again soon. It's still Christmas. I'm wearing another headband. This one is an elf hat because today I'm a Christmas elf. Guess what? You can also get your Keep Christ in Christmas wristbands over at AFR.net. Samaritanspurse.org is where you can donate to take part in our greatest journey promotion that we're doing. We need you. Get over there. We'll be right back with more. Stay there. Out of all the people in the world, we've all done or will do the following. Be birthed into this earth, grow, go to school, maybe go to college, get married, have kids, grow old, and die. Doesn't sound too eventful when put in that perspective. For many, the thought of discipling someone is foreign from the mind and not even on the to-do list. In Matthew chapter 28, verse 19, Jesus tells us to go ye therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. A disciple is more than a student, he or she is a follower of Jesus Christ. There are a lot of things in this world, but there's nothing like being a Christian. It's a life filled with adventures. Receiving an 
education, vacationing, marriage, having kids are good, but there's nothing like taking the time to nourish someone in God's word so that they can be a force to be reckoned with. That is priceless. With a heart for the urban family, I'm today's urban woman, Victory McIntosh. Connect with us at urbanfamilytalk.com. Abraham Hamilton III. God put us in this world at this time to be salt and light. We don't fold because of the darkness that we're facing. This is not the first time in the world's history that it's gotten dark. God has called you and I to be his ambassadors, even in this dark moment. Tune in to the Hamilton Quarter, weekdays at 5 p.m. Central on Urban Family Talk. American Family Radio. Samaritan's Purse. And your family. Together, we can bring good news and great joy to needy children. Simply pack an Operation Christmas Child shoebox with toys, school supplies, and hygiene items. Then, drop off your shoebox gift during National Collection Week. Visit AFR.net, click the Operation Christmas Child banner, and then get packing. Securing America. The White House has told the Pentagon to expect a slimmed-down budget for 2020, alarming defense hawks on Capitol Hill. We got ourselves in this mess. We have to get ourselves out of this mess. Senate Armed Services Committee Chairman Jim Inhofe telling colleagues the Defense Department should be funded at $733 billion rather than $700 billion floated by the Trump administration. We are dealing with significant readiness challenges. Retired Admiral Gary Ruffhead said it took more than a year to refloat the USS John McCain involved in a collision with a tanker that killed 10 soldiers. 15 months to restore a major capital asset to the fleet. I would submit in today's pace and speed of conflict is not satisfactory. A recent National Defense Strategy report warned of a crisis in national security due to expanding threats from China and Russia, coupled with aging U.S. military assets. In Washington, Rachel Sutherland, Fox News. This is Stacy on the Right with Stacy Washington on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk. Well, since we're talking about Ellen, do you feel that homosexuality is a sin? You know, I I can't honestly answer on that in the sense of I have too many people that I love that they are homosexual. Um, I don't know. I actually had a conversation with someone last night about it, and I was like, I can't say one way or the other. I I'm not God. So when yeah. people when people ask questions like that, that's what my go to is. Like I just say read the Bible and find out for yourself. Because and when you find out, let me know cuz I'm learning too. Okay. So welcome back to the program samaritanspurse.org. Today is your day to take part in our match of $30,000 to get to our goal of 60,000 to help fund The Greatest Journey. Our ministry partner, uh, Samaritan's Purse, runs The Greatest Journey program. Our goal is to send 10,000 children on The Greatest Journey by helping to provide the donations for the curriculum. So today's the day. It's my dad's birthday. It's also Samaritan's Purse uh, Greatest Journey promotion day here at American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk. We're excited about it. Every gift is matched up to $30,000. So head over to Samaritan'sPurse.org and make it happen. Uh, So... uh, 
That's Lauren Daigle. Now, if you haven't heard her music, oh my goodness, head over to YouTube after the show and check it out. Her music is amazing. It's I, I've often said, along with classical tunes, and I, I really I I care not who gets upset, but I love mixing classical music, rock music, music from the '90s, and Christian contemporary music. And Lauren Daigle is a part of the soundtrack of my life. Like well, the kids love her music. Uh, my husband can tolerate it because he has totally different music tastes. And then I love it. And it's uplifting. She sings these beautiful love songs to God. It's just her voice is phenomenal. But I thought to myself, you know, this last album when it came out and that song hit the charts and it was just burning up. You hear it in like Kohl's and other department stores, not just on Christian radio. You hear it on mainstream radio channels. You hear the music and it's Lauren Daigle. And you, and you know it's her. Once you've heard her voice once, you know it's, you know it's her. And she's a Christian, strong Christian woman. She's up to this point been mostly doing like, um, we have something here called Joy FM. It's the Christian contemporary music station. And they have concerts starting in the spring all the way through to the fall. And sometimes they call them the sofa concert because everyone else sits in chairs or whatever the venue is. It's usually held at a church. But they bring a sofa in and sit it at the front. And whoever wins the tickets that are the sofa tickets gets to sit on a sofa and hear the concert. And they're the people who are closest to the performing artists and they get to meet the person or the different people who come in for the show. And Lauren, Lauren Daigle has been here for that. Now I, I wasn't able to attend the concert when she was here, but she wasn't one of the headliners. She was one of the additional artists because at that point she was still on one of her earlier albums and, and not quite as big as she is now, but it was a real treat. My uh, two of our kids and their friends went and they were just blown away by how she, she sounds phenomenal in person. And so this is all, this, these are all good things. These are all good parts of the story. But then when you get to, um, you get a little further in and you start looking at, well, what, what is happening um, with her making this comment? Well, the media has to ask her this question so they can determine whether or not they're going to allow her to continue on to mainstream success. Had she said, well, I've read the Bible and I am a Christian and I'm a practicing Christian. And as much as I love Ellen's programming and I'm happy to have been on her program, I can't condone the lifestyle choice that she's made. Had she said that, they would begin to vilify her, tear her down and eliminate her prospects moving forward. And they would basically close all avenues to her except the one she was on previously, which was the enormous Christian conservative market. So she's had to make a decision. And she, in my opinion, chose incorrectly because it matters not what popularity level you achieve as a person. The Bible actually talks about those of us who are servants now, those of us who, who are maybe unpopular now or hold the views that are vilified and publicly unacceptable now will be ruling and reigning with Christ in the hereafter. This, this is the audition spot where we make our choice and we set our, our, our path in motion to say, look, I'm, I'm standing with Jesus Christ no matter what. And so if that means that I only have a certain number of people on Facebook and I only have a certain reach on YouTube, fine. If that means that you know, I'm not going to have my music on mainstream radio channels, you know, the biggest uh, markets in New York and Washington, D.C. and Atlanta, then that means that so be it. 
but I can't compromise because compromise, there is no place in the Bible for compromise. You're serving one or you're serving the other. God is very clear about that. And so my hope is that because she's young and she's chasing after success, and we've seen the same story so many times with these beautiful young artists where their their voice and their market has been Christian radio and then they're they're kind of enticed into well what what look at what you look at the impact you could have if you went mainstream. But how is her impact for Jesus Christ if she's diluting the gospel, if she's diluting what God's word says, or if she's simply saying that's not something I understand or I know. If you figure it out, tell me. I've already figured it out. But what do you think would happen? I mean, what what do you do you really see Lauren Daigle responding to any one of us? Forget about it being me, because I'm I am no special person. Any individual who has access to a laptop or a cell phone reaches out to Lauren Daigle or maybe catches her at a concert. Maybe you win the sofa tickets. She comes down and shakes your hand and you say, by the way, I heard you on the radio show saying someone who reads the Bible, take a look and let you let me know. I'm letting you know homosexuality is a sin and it separates us from God. Will you now adjust your opinion publicly so that you reflect what God's word says because you're representing huge Christian audiences here when you sing these songs and we buy your music and it's like we're partnering with you. Do you think she's really going to change what she said? Maybe with some time and some growth and some maturity, maybe. But isn't it hard, you know, for the for the people in the audience who are sitting in the older seats? You know, you've, you've been been around, uh, you know, the the uh, the birthday track a few a few good few times. You know how it is once you once you start down a path like this and you start espousing these kind of lily livered, you know, faux Christian viewpoints. Well, I'm not smart enough to know whether or not homosexuality is a sin. Do you then grow a backbone later? Out of what? If it's mush now, where does the backbone come from? Well, negative experiences, sure. And be certain that these individuals who set her up for this success, it's not just homosexuality that will be something that they'll need her to get on the right side of. They're going to need her to get on the right side of the Me Too movement, which I didn't include that bit of audio in, in that clip because I don't want to veer off into that discussion. I just briefly, you know, she, he asked her, have you, are you a part of the Me Too movement? Are you supportive of it? Supportive of it? She said she, in, in considering her history, she'd never been in a position where she was sexually harassed. And so she didn't consider herself to be a part of the Me Too movement. And he was satisfied with that answer because the only thing he wanted was for her to not denounce homosexuality as a Christian, making it possible for him and others to say, well, Lauren Daigle is one of the biggest Christian music stars out there. And she says she doesn't know if the Bible condemns homosexuality. Now, this is completely irrelevant because I, I find nowhere in God's word where it says, and also please write in what Lauren Daigle said. And Lauren Daigle also said, you know, if you go to Romans or, you know, Leviticus, anywhere in the Bible where it talks about same sex, anything and the perversion of it, it doesn't say also fill in what Lauren Daigle thinks here also. She's not in there. So it matters not what she thinks, but to the liberals who are going to allow her to climb so far on the ladder of success, they're, what they're hoping is now that they've gotten her to admit that, They'll get her on me too. They'll get her on uh, any any number of issues, transgender stuff, abortion. They will continue to hammer at her. And at every question, right behind the question is, 
can we uh, can we interest you in some more fame and success, some more huge media audiences on Ellen and Colbert and you know uh, the Tonight Show? Can we interest you in getting a chance to sing your latest hit single on this venue? But also while you're there, don't forget we're going to ask you about X issue. And, you know, we need you to come down on the side of tolerance and equality. That's what she's trading off for. And the success is hollow. We know that. We know that it's built and predicated upon lies, that it does not satisfy, that it does not keep you warm at night. Yes, money is something that we all need. And more money is, you know, you can equal that to more comfort in certain situations. But at the level she's currently moving into, It matters not whether her audience is 50 million Americans or if it's 4 million Americans because she's already earning and really doing well. So the question is, what is the message? And why would she be comfortable trading the the truth for the success? So we'll open the phone lines now. We have a good amount of time left in the show. 866-963-2037-866. 963-2037 samaritanspurse.org our partnership today uh, our our partner today is samaritans purse the greatest journey is a fantastic ministry if you're just tuning into the show you miss scott whitlock associate editor for newsbusters we had a great conversation but we also have our greatest journey promotion day going on today and our match is $30,000 so we can send 10,000 kids to the greatest journey it's, it's uh, like a Bible study thing. It's, it's, it's so impactful for them. And these kids are already primed because they've received the, the Christmas shoe boxes. And they don't just come by themselves. They often bring their whole family. And then as the, the curriculum progresses week after week, they bring others outside their family. And whole groups of people come to know the Lord. Churches are planted and the gospel is spread. And so we can have this impact in countries across the globe, tens of thousands of kids with your help. Um, and we just need you to go to SamaritansPurse.org and give. Donate either on a recurring basis or a one-time gift for today. We'd be so excited to have you do that. Call lines are open at 866 866- uh, 963-2037. Let's go to the phones. We have Chris in Tennessee. Chris, thank you for calling in today. Hey, hey, thanks for taking my call. Uh, sure. Uh, you were talking about Lauren Dagger in the comments she said, and, yeah. you know, I would just wonder if, <clears throat> um, you know, these Christian radio stations, now that she said what she said about homosexuality, about her not knowing if it's a sin or not, or if the Bible says that it's a sin, you know, Ray Bolt, uh, a few years ago, come out as a homosexual, and all these stations quit playing him. Uh, so now I'm wondering uh, if they're going to do the same with her, and I'll listen. Oh, you know, Chris, thank you for that question. Um, so there's, it's like a, it's like, do you do it or don't you do it, right? Um, I'll, I'll say this. I don't see them dropping her right off the bat unless listeners call in, because most Christian radios listeners supported and unless Christians call in and say, yeah, you know what, I'm not listening to this anymore. Or I'll listen, but I'm not going to send you any more, you know, monthly uh, recurring gifts because I don't want someone who has this big of a hole in their uh, Christian belief system, their music playing on the station that I'm supporting with my giving. That's where the rubber will meet the road. I don't know it, what what's going to happen, but it's a great question. It's a great question. And, 
you know, every one of us lives in a community with Christian radio, whether it's a syndicated one or whether it's local and it's truly listener supported as in from the listeners in that community or if it's one of the national ones that's syndicated, et cetera. Connie in Alabama, thank you so much for calling the show today. Hey, thanks for calling the show. Uh-oh, I don't know if we can hear her. Hello. All right, Tom in Maryland, thank you so much for calling the show today. Oh, thank you, Stacey, uh, first-time caller. Oh, thanks yeah, for calling this, in. Uh, pardon me. I said thanks for calling in. <laughs> oh, it was my pleasure. Thank you. Um, this thing with Lauren Daigle, uh, it's, it's kind of funny. Uh, I've been walking with the Lord uh, over 30 years, mm-hmm. say February 16, 1986. God used me as a missionary in Haiti, uh, in the medical field, uh, for what I was trained. And uh, he uh, used me in Florida to uh, open up uh, the three homeless ministries that, uh, to this day, were uh, uh, very productive and for God's glory. And uh, I moved up here to Maryland in 95 and uh, raised two other children. And uh, very blessed and highly favored by God. But my, my torch kind of went out because I live in the mountains. And uh, little by little, I started to uh, fall away. And uh, not that I would, I mean, I went to church all the time. I did the Christian suit and words. But inside, I hated myself. And I got a lot of piece of property. So I was out mowing the grass one day on the tractor. And I listened to my tunes in my head. And Lauren Daigle came on. I always listen to Christian music. I always have. And when I heard that song, you say, it described how I felt. God got a hold of me right there on my tractor with the blades going full tilt, and I'm crying like a baby. And I'm thanking God because it was at that point that he was telling me, when are you going to serve me with a whole heart? And we, it, it, we have like 30 seconds left. I hate to cut you off, but the music's going to cut us off if we don't keep going. Um, I, I, if you're in the call queue, hang around. We'll talk to you right after this. We have news and information with onenewsnow.com coming up next. God bless from the heartland. Family Talk.